Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Welcome, everybody, to Dope Nostalgia Podcast. I am your host, Naomi. This has been a very exciting week for me because I've gotten to interview three former Much Music VJs. Now, I remember a while back on the podcast, probably about two years ago, when I started a Much Music series. I interviewed Erica M., as well as Stephen, who is Ed the Sock. Both of those people were lovely to talk to, and I learned so much about working in the Much Music environment back in the day. So now I find out that there's a documentary that's been made. It's called 299 Queen Street West. It's going to be played across Canada this fall. The VJs are coming along for the ride too. So what's going to happen is it's called the Much Music Experience Tour. There will be a documentary screening followed by an intimate and interactive with the Much Music VJs themselves. It's hitting up every major Canadian city and you could be there. You can buy tickets at the website 299queenstreetwest.com. We're going to be at the Edmonton stop for the documentary, and that will be on November 8th, 2023. If you are interested, like I said, go to the website 299queenstreetwest.com. My first in the series of interviews is going to be with Much Music alumni Bill Wilichka. Not only did he start his career at Much Music, but he went on to become one of the primary VJs at Much More Music when that channel was developed. Here's a little bit of background information on Bill Wilichka. Wikipedia Moments. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is real truth. Bill Wilichka is a Canadian television personality best known as a VJ for Much Music and its sister station, Much More Music, from 1992 to 2005. Born and raised in Welland, Ontario, Wilichka first joined Chum Limited in 1988 as a video editor for Much Music before transitioning to an on-air role as host of the channel's country music series, Outlaws and Heroes, in the early 90s. In 1995, he became host of the world music show Clip Trip, as well as taking on regular duties as a general video flow host. He stayed with Much for five more years until moving to Much More Music in 2000. In 2005, Wilichka moved to CKEM right here in Edmonton to take on hosting duties for breakfast television when the station was rebranded as City TV. In 2006, Wilichka moved to A-Channel in Ottawa as the new weather anchor, remaining in this role till 2011. The following year, he joined CKWS-TV in Kingston, Ontario, where he remains as of 2023. He also writes a column for the city's Kingston Whig Standard and is a contributor to CKWS's sister's radio station, CFMK-FM. It is my honor to welcome Bill Walichka to Dope Nostalgia. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. No, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm here from Edmonton, a place that you probably know quite well. 
I did. Uh, I did. It makes it sound like I was in jail. I spent a year in Edmonton at the. Uh, it was re newly rebranded City TV. Yes. I was at Much More Music uh, at that point after Much Music for about five years and just sort of done with music journalism. And uh, they were creating this morning show. I've never done morning TV before, so I jumped at the chance. And uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate for that opportunity. Didn't know how much I'd miss friends and family in Ontario, though. So at the end of that year, I got a gig in Ottawa at the CTV affiliate. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a long way to be away. Like it wouldn't be easy to get there and see them on a regular basis. I imagine. I thought I could handle it. I had a nervous <laughs> breakdown about eight months in. Yeah. Oh, but how were the breakfast TV days otherwise? Um, and what did you enjoy about living in Edmonton? Uh, I love the uh, sports um, love that city has. And uh, that was the year they made it to the cup finals mm. and they lost. Uh, <gasps> That was the year I remember White Ave, every series they won, White Ave was getting crazier and crazier and crazier until by the final series, they figured out how to stop people hanging from the streetlights. And basically, when you left a bar, you weren't allowed to walk across the street. You had to keep walking on the sidewalk. So what happened is during that final series, when everyone would, you know, go in and out of bars, you had to keep walking. That way, there's no trouble. It's when everyone congregates around an intersection. Mm -hmm. That's when the shit happens. So, uh, yeah, that was that was fun to see. People hanging off light poles, asking what the score is. I remember, Do you remember that? Like that very much. Do you remember so. that that time when they went yeah. for the to the for the cup finals? Yeah. And then yeah. oddly, when I went to Edmonton or uh, Ottawa, rather, uh, Ottawa went to the cup finals that year against Anaheim, and they lost, I think, four games straight. But that year, Edmonton went. They barely limped into the playoffs, I remember that year. We lost Rollison uh, right before the final games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, man, that was a sad night on <laughs> game seven. But, wow. Like, I hope now with the team that we have that we still have that kind of passion, but just without all the other hoodlum stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It. We didn't need it. Well, I'm a Hawks fan, so um, I feel for you not getting Jonathan Taves. I was just hearing that Taves looks like he's done. Uh, Edmonton was mm. going to pick him up, I think, and then uh, his long COVID oh. sort of just makes it difficult for him to play another season. So I have wow. about 12 Taves jerseys in the closet behind me. Yeah. Wow, that would have been something. But if he's retiring, I, I can understand that. Now, when you were growing up, you grew up in Welland, Ontario, correct? Yeah, Niagara region. <laughs> okay. What were you hoping to do and plan for your future as a child? What did you see, like, as a teenager and everything, what you wanted to do at that time? I think uh, at one point I wanted to be Batman. Uh, <laughs> that would have been, like, grade seven. No, that would have been, like, grade one. Uh, <laughs> and then maybe a cop. Mm -hmm. uh i think i can't remember that's a good question i didn't really get curious about television until the final year of high school and at that point uh that was barry ontario rented a video camera for a high school project and uh from the library and uh just had a great time with it and ended up uh applying to a number of 
post-secondary institutions, ended up at Seneca for a two-year radio and television broadcasting program, fell in love with editing, with video editing during that time, and I uh, was hired at Much in 1988 as an editor. The week I graduated, I was very fortunate. I didn't actually fall very. into the on-air thing until like 92 or something. Outlaws and Heroes, was that the first show you did? Country show, yeah. I helped create that when I started, actually, and uh, ended up hosting it and then um, co and co-hosting it and then just taking over full-time host of the country show, all the while still editing and producing because I love that behind-the-scenes stuff. I still do. Mm. And um, when they canceled that show because CMT started up in Canada, they felt a 90-minute weekly country show couldn't compete. And our director of music programming at that time, Denise Donlin, moved me over to regular flow programming. That was mm. 94, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So being part of regular flow for our listeners is basically your DJ moments or VJ moments when you got to introduce us the music. Yeah, we had a four hour shift usually. And um, at the beginning of the shift, you know, you go through the rundown, see what videos have been programmed. Uh, there was total freedom that I could change. Uh, the rundown, I could add things. Uh, there'd be live interviews thrown in there sometimes, sometimes a live performance and a live interview. And uh, yeah, there was just so much freedom at that point. And I thought that's how all TV stations ran, really. But no, it was it was an anomaly. Yeah. Were, were you writing your own interviews as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was no nothing like that. No writers, nothing like that. Mm. Um how it worked for me, I don't know most people, but you know, you'd get the CD, you get the bio. We had extensive uh, files on artists. We had a researcher that would just go through magazine clippings, newspaper clippings, and keep files. There was no internet. That's how old, how long ago it was. That's how old I sound. Uh, so you couldn't Google, you know, the Cure and find twenty-five articles on the Cure. Um, so, yeah, you'd just be given the latest CD. Luckily, I was a music fan, so I had a huge record CD collection that, you know, I knew a lot of back catalog of all, a lot of the artists that I was interviewing anyway. Mm -hmm. And just a huge fan of music that um, I really didn't need a lot of research. If it was bands that I really wasn't into or whatever. Yeah, still do a lot of research. But, uh, yeah, nothing was written. It was all um, very spontaneous. And that, I think, was the magical thing about much and uh never to be sadly replicated never to be duplicated ever again so i'm glad i was there just it was even just from being in our living rooms you felt like you're part of that environment as well i remember i wouldn't change the channel i was always addicted to much as soon as we got cable tv <laughs> just because you funny, felt like you were part of it when i was in high school i felt that way too yeah there was that time where I was in high school for three or four years, watched much music as soon as I got home. Everybody did. As soon as school was over, go home, watch much music. Friends come over, what are you going to do? Uh, let's watch so much. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Christopher Ward and Steve Anthony and Erica M. And uh, years later, getting a chance to work with them side by side. Uh, it was, that was a huge thrill. Surreal. It really was. Um and I equate it to perfect circles. And uh, there were thousands of perfect circles. I spent 17 years in that building. And when I look back, there was uh, probably, you know, 
almost a thousand perfect circles where I had in my life where I had Led Zeppelin's poster in my bedroom. I had the Cures poster and pictures on my notebooks and in my locker. And years later, years later, getting a chance to sit with Robert Smith or Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin or Jimmy Page or pick one. There's dozens and dozens and dozens of artists that I considered heroes that uh, I got a chance to interview and uh, it was beautiful. And I was getting paid for this. Unbelievable. <laughs> and being the big fan of these artists that you are, you probably, you probably had a lot more thought provoking questions for them than some, you know, like, I think that would have been really nice to have a chance to open up with someone who means so much to you, you know? I think so. And I never, you know, I took pride in the fact that I didn't gush and oh man, I've been your, I've been a fan of yours for years. I have all your albums. Never said that. I think they could just tell with the conversation and with the interviews. And, um, you know, I always approach an interview as never an interrogation, never a question, answer, question, answer. I wanted it to be a conversation and let it flow. And uh, I think just most artists would get a sense of that, that, Okay, this guy he knows what he talks. I mean, he knows what he's talking about. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's all right, and then and that's when they give you stuff. <laughs> oh no! Not I, give I, me I, not I, give me money, but give me stuff as in terms of an interview, the sound bites, as we call it. Yes. Them. Yeah. And it and it's interesting for me too. Interviewing an interviewer usually is one of those things that make me mm-hmm. more nervous than anybody else. But I appreciate just having the conversation. I really do. Having, you know, notes to look at, but just to be able to talk about everything, usually. It's two people talking shop, uh, comparing notes, how they do it. And here's the thing. You get 10 interviewers and they're all going to approach an interview a different way. You know, I watched interviewers just slide into the chair two minutes before they were live. Uh, No little pre-chat interview. And they would just, you know, go into it. And it doesn't make for a great interview, Uh, you know. I think I was fortunate in that I was an editor for so long that I was putting together a lot of specials and editing segments, watching a lot of interviews, mm-hmm. taped interviews anyway. And, um, you know, I, I learned from the best. I learned what worked, what didn't work in some cases. And, uh, you know, I think I was lucky that way. Very lucky. And the things that I still apply to this day. After these messages, we'll be right Dope Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Who creates the content we love? I was a very emotional child. But I was really shy growing up. What makes them passionate? I want to draw Saturday morning cartoons. I could actually write some of this. Part of me comes out in a design that I do. And why do they persist? 
you know, I was in a bad mental spot. It was a big sacrifice. The hard-earned lesson is you have to do your own thing. And this has been like a rebirth for me. Hear their stories on your favorite podcast player. Creators After Dark. When you and your friends want to get down, there's only one way to do it. With a Much Video Dance, you provide the place. Much Music provides the lights, the sound, and the videos. Call Much Video Dance headquarters at this number. Brought to you by Henry. One phone call is all it takes to make it happen. And only Much Video Dances deliver the latest video hits, plus exclusive old school and vintage favorites in one all-inclusive package. Call Much Video Dance headquarters today. Brought to you by O'Henry. O'Hungry. O'Henry. I think you're one of the few VJs, too, who can expand more on the much more music era because you did Mm. become part of it from the initial inception of it, weren't you? Yeah, it was getting uh, approaching 99 or 2000. And I was just sort of I think Rick and I had to be part of Spice Girls Day. We I think Rick was Sporty Spice. I was Posh Spice. (laughs) <laughs> a whole day long of Spice Girls videos and specials, and we did throws where you know, I thought, okay, that's fun. That's the cool thing about much. It gets very creative, uh, mm-hmm. thinking outside the box. A lot of it was the delivery of the music, not so much the music itself. It was how it was packaged and delivered to the audience. Uh, after a while, I just thought, okay, I, you know, I don't want to be posh spice during a Spice Girls day anymore. I just, I love interviews. So much more music did come along, catered to a little bit of an older audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I jumped at that chance and Denise Donlin said, yeah, uh, how about in the year? I'll move you over to much more. And uh, I was grateful for that opportunity. Absolutely. I missed the live stuff. And then eventually much more rolled out some, you know, live presentations, yeah. broaden the parameters a little bit of the playlist. Um, which was to me very important. It wasn't just the Celine Dion network anymore. You know, we were playing <laughs> playing a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you couldn't yeah. have had you couldn't have had much more music without much music, of course. Much more music was wonderful, but I don't. It doesn't sit in my memory in the same way. You know, like you said, there were less live segments, and maybe that's partially why. And I think it was buried in some cable stations across Canada. It wasn't uh, part of the basic cable package for a lot of areas in Canada. You mm-hmm. had to subscribe to it, whereas much was, you know, I think pretty much on basic cable across mm-hmm. Canada. And, you know, that was the beautiful thing about much is, you know, you talk about broadcasting and narrow casting and who's your target audience, uh, male, female, 12 to 16, 17 to 21. Everybody watched much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it broke rules that way and it broke a lot of rules. And I think that was the the beautiful thing about it is uh, there was no template before it. There was MTV in the U.S., but uh, we were vastly different than that. And then we started then we started to become more like MTV. And I think that was the beginning of the end. Mm hmm. I agree. There was something so incredible about the personalities at much that there was something um, that everyone, each, each VJ offered something different for everyone, you know, and I don't think it was intentional. It was just the way it was presented. And uh, I look back and I think, okay, I wasn't the cute one. I wasn't the wacky one. I wasn't the political one. Um, Hopefully what you got was just someone that dug music, dug all kinds of music, really enjoyed doing interviews love traveling, love putting together our specials. Um, and that was sort of, if I ever had a persona, I think it was that. Um, 
You were like one of our buddies, our best buddies. A huge compliment. Thank you. I yeah. see. I think you get it. And that's mm-hmm. a huge compliment. Thank you. With the long, and, you know, with the, with the long cur- curly hair back in back in the really early days. <laughs> for a while. I think I cut my hair right after Jeff Tate from Queensryche did and John Bon Jovi did. I ah. thought, uh, I don't want to have long hair anymore. Too much product. <laughs> Spending half my work. paycheck on product. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got the documentary tour coming up. And um, what drew you into being part of the documentary? Because I know several of you are involved. Uh, It was fun reliving with Sean Menard, the director, um, being interviewed for like an hour and a half or something. And just reliving those days. There was a while where I sort of tried to get away from my musical journalism past. And uh, I think enough time has come and gone where we can look back at much very fondly and there's a whole generation that knows nothing about music television and how it was presented in Canada and how it broke artists and how it uh you know was presented and gave viewers a chance not just to be entertained but informed as well whereas you know yeah you can call up any video you want you can call up any video you want on YouTube but it's not the same you're not going to get the commentary. You're not going to get up close to that artist. Uh, and I think that's what's missing from a lot of entertainment these days. And I watch entertainment. I still do. I'm still involved in entertainment um, with what I do now. But I remember we can let interviews breathe. You can talk to David Bowie, a very smart guy, very well read, and let him talk and have a conversation. And then it became about a 10-second soundbite. We can't have an artist talk for more than 15 seconds. It's got bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And it became less about the art and it became more about who's got cellulite, who's in rehab, who's dating who, you know? Who, and what attention paparazzi. span, attention span completely gone. Yeah. And um, I think depending on who you ask, they'll say, well, that was the problem with much as people just lost their attention span. I think the problem was you stopped giving them the chance to have an attention. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the industry went. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe I got out at a great time. Yeah. And reinvented myself a few times. And uh, it's sort of come full circle now with what I'm doing here in Kingston, mm-hmm. uh, a morning show where I can I co-host and co-produce and I can have any music artist on I want and uh I've embraced that past that side of me again because I can do it yeah I can do it on my terms and certainly moving to Kingston you know being a hip fan for so long Mm. and then interviewing them over the years many times and then moving to Kingston and reacquainting friendships with them uh for the past 11 years that has been very special as well i just had paul langwa on the show a couple of weeks ago um i have a book coming out in august and paul langwa did the forward for it um he emailed me i asked him i asked him if he can do a forward for the book and he knew i was writing a book and he said yeah sure i'd be honored to anyway he sent it to me in february he was in uh, costa rica he emailed it to me because i needed it to get it to the publisher I cried when I read it. Yeah, it was beautiful. Good. We'll make sure we promote the book when it comes out here on the show so that people know all about it. 
exciting. Well, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the book because I know this is about 299 Queen Street, but uh, it was important to me to get the book out this year because, coincidentally, the doc was coming out this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it was my 35th year anniversary of being in television this year. Um, there just seems to be a lot of things going on this year. Congratulations on that milestone. That's incredible. Yeah, go figure it. I'm only 29 still. How does that happen? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so I'll be looking forward to seeing you um, do the tour across Canada, of course, for the documentary. Um, before we wrap up this interview, I wanted to ask you, who was one of your broadcasting heroes over the years? Mm. Uh, a lot of people I worked with. Um, I could say Denise Donlan, uh, mm. huge influence on me. Um and altered the career of my life a couple of times, not just hiring me, but um, guiding me, allowing me to uh, make mistakes. And um, I think believed in me enough where I could jump off a cliff and have wings appear. And I think I credit her for that. And I thank her for that. Uh, Steve Anthony, uh, mm. for sure. Um, Christopher Ward, uh, anyone I've worked with, Anyone I've worked with, not so many from other stations or other places. Terry David Mulligan, mm -hmm. uh, another much name. Yeah, so uh, I had the greatest of teachers, and I worked with them all. And that's the amazing thing. Not many people can say that. No kidding. I'm, ve I'm very lucky, actually. And I get to hang out with and talk with Naomi, too. Yes. Oh, you made my day. <laughs> It's going to be a great episode. I'm excited. So I've talked with Erica and I've talked with um, Stephen at the sock. That was, that was a fun one too, because he had asked me, who do you want to talk to? And I said, I want to talk to Stephen. I really do like learn about him. And it was a great, great time. Do you ever um, foresee any kind of a reunion other than this documentary for, for much music or much fans? There was one last year. Uh, we got asked to MC an event in uh, Brantford, Bradford, Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a much music video dance party, and Steve Anthony was there, and Tony was there, Master T, and Rick and I were there. And that was a little bit of a reunion, and that was a lot of fun. I saw Michael Williams at an event in Toronto late last year. Um, Erica and I talk a little bit still, and... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, a full-on reunion. Uh, this is, I think, the closest that we're all going to come to it. And uh, that's the other beautiful thing about this documentary is, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's getting friends together. Friends that haven't maybe spoken 5, 10, 20 years yeah. together again. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for making the time today, Bill. It was a pleasure to to chat, for sure. I mean, it was all my pleasure. Thanks for being interested. <laughs> All right. We'll see you on the tour then. I'll come. Okay. Check it out. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Social media. Yeah, we've got it. Send us an email. Dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com. Twitter nostalgia dope or on Insta dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.